Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome to Texas Ag Today for Monday, September 14th of 2020. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by with the latest news in Texas agriculture. Cooler temperatures and rain have made for a big change in the weather pattern for the Texas Southern Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll talk to one Southern Plains farmer about the effects of the weather change on his crops coming up on Texas Ag Today. Areas of Texas have received very little rainfall this late in the summer. As we continue to have warm temperatures, many of us are questioning whether to plant cool season annual forages or not. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus the latest news from Washington, the latest wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up later. But first, here's a look at news headlines. The National Cotton Council is seeking a legislative response to crop losses cotton growers have experienced this growing season. Many of the losses are due to the recent hurricanes, both Laura and Hannah. Reese Langley is vice president of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council. We're talking with congressional offices about what can be done this fall to try to make some adjustments and extensions to the existing ag disaster program, specifically the WHIP Plus program that's currently in place and being administered by USDA. However, that disaster program is only able to cover 2018 and 2019 crop losses from natural disasters. So the council is working to get Congress to authorize that program to be used for 2020 losses. 2020 is a year we all want to forget. And that is definitely true for many Texas Panhandle farmers. Gene Franks is with Halsey Insurance in Perryton. It's been one thing after another. We started off and thought we had pretty good crops going in, and hail started early. And if you get back west of here and go to Spearman, plumb over to Dalharch, drought set in. It's one thing after another, and you get these guys that a couple weeks ago south of Spearman had some of those hailstorms come through, and your crop was almost completed. You were to the end point. You could see harvest around the corner and then to have total losses. It's just been one kick in the gut after another. In addition to drought and hail, many panhandle farmers endured what Franks calls the panhandle derecho on June 9th when a massive windstorm wiped out entire fields of cotton with sand and static electricity. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association is holding a virtual convention this week. Jessica Domo reports. The Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's annual convention and expo will be held Tuesday and Wednesday online. Both live and on-demand sessions are available and will cover topics like landowner liability, wildlife management, sustainable parasite control, the use of drones in ranching, and succession planning. Cost is $149 for more than 25 hours of content. The event is open to TSCRA members and non-members alike. You can register at 
cattleraisersconvention.com. Again, that is cattleraisersconvention.com. Again, that convention and expo this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Cooler temperatures and rain have made for a big change in the weather pattern for the Texas Southern Plains. Tom Nicoletti talks to one Southern Plains farmer about the effects the weather change is having on his crops. We go to Eddie Griffiths now on the South Plains of Texas. And uh, Eddie, you folks out there, of course, have been enduring some hot, dry weather over the summer months. But uh, things have been changing here in September for you as uh, you've got... uh, some cooler temperatures and, and rain chances uh, that uh, could uh, help you folks. Yeah, things have definitely changed, Tom. We, you know, we went from one extreme and looks like we're going to go to another, you know, consecutive days of high 90s and 100-degree temperatures. And, you know, that's pretty much been the case throughout the summer. And now we're uh, getting lows way below what we have been used to. And, this crop's not going to know quite what to think. And we'll always take moisture in the area at this point. It will be beneficial to the wheat that's being planted at this time. But as far as the cotton crop, it's done about what it's going to do. And it will help probably finish out some of the crop. But for the crop that's in cutout and opening up, which that's that's another thing that we're dealing with here in West Texas is part of this crop is opening up and going to be ready to start seeing some harvest aids and get out of the field. But usually we like to see that crop go, you know, another week or two before it starts opening up and try to hit everything or as much of it all at the same time. But it's a mixed bag of what we have as far as the crop. You know, we lost a lot of crop earlier on in the summer and, and uh, there's late later planted crops. I personally have some late planted corn and the rain and moisture is going to help that. But the earlier temperatures that we received didn't help it. So it's going to be interesting to see what yields are like and when some of the uh, crops start coming out of the field. I know we've had our first bill come out of cotton in Gaines County, but when things start coming out as a whole, what grades look like and, and what yields look like after this hot, dry summer. Another factor to consider, Eddie, is uh, the cooler temperatures certainly help farmers and other producers and, and ranchers out there just uh, from the standpoint of, of working in their fields. Yes, yeah, I mean... It's a welcome relief to see the cooler temperatures. When you have consecutive days and you watch that crop, and I don't care if it's cotton, corn, sorghum, whatever it is, it's all going to stress. And you try to alleviate a lot of that stress with irrigation where you have it. And this was one of those summers that it was almost, no matter how much irrigation you had, it was hard to take pressure and stress off of that crop because it was just too much heat and then nighttime temperatures not getting low enough to really give that crop much of a break. That again is Eddie Griffiths. He's reporting for us today from Lubbock County on the South Plains of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Many areas of Texas have received very little rainfall this summer. As we continue to have warm temperatures, many producers are questioning whether or not they should try to plant cool season annual forages. Dr. Vanessa Olson has more from East Texas. Ideally, we would like to plant forages to soil moisture. Summer pastures should be overseeded in October and early November, depending on location. Delaying planting may give us an opportunity to plant to soil moisture, depending on rainfall chances. Delaying planting too late, such as late November or December, will decrease overall forage production, 
as well as result in a shorter grazing period. Cool soil temperatures are important for good germination and establishment for small grains and annual ryegrass. Daily minimum temperatures should be below 75 degrees Fahrenheit for good stand establishment. Small grains such as oats, small grain rye, and wheat perform best in specific regions. Most of their forage production is in the fall and early winter. Small grain rye is adapted to a wide variety of soil types and more productive than other small grains. Oats are the least cold tolerant and should be planted in central and southern portions of the state. Wheat is better adapted to colder temperatures and performs well north of I-20. Annual ryegrass, which produces majority of its forage in the spring, can be planted later than other forages. The rainfall needs of ryegrass limits production to portions of the state east of I-35. Also, keep in mind, since we have had dry periods followed by intermittent rainfall, we can see populations of fall armyworms. As you plant winter forages, be prepared to scout for armyworms following any significant rainfall. Delaying control can lead to a complete loss of any winter forage seedlings. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton. USDA released its September crop production and supply and demand reports on Friday, showing its latest look at this year's cotton crop and what might be the outlook for production and yields here in 2020. Rod Bain reports from Washington. Per USDA September crop reports, cotton harvested acreage, yields, and production are down month over month. We did see a slight decline in yields down 3% month over month, down down 910 pounds a bushel. Overall production sitting at about 17 million bales. Down 6% from the previous forecast. As USDA Chief Economist Rob Johansson says, this reflects more abandonment of the cotton crop than anticipated. Year-over-year, cotton production is also down, 14% from 2019. Broken down by variety, both upland and Pima cotton production would be down from the previous year, by 14 and 18% respectively. Yet there is a notable positive in the September cotton crop reports. That 910 pounds per harvested acre yield total estimate, while less than the previous month, is up 87 pounds from last year and if realized, would reflect a new record-high cotton yield. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Also in that September crop report, USDA shows that corn production is down 2% from the August forecast. Corn production now forecast at 14.9 billion bushels but that's still 9% higher than last year. Yields will be a record 178.5 bushels per acre, down 3.3 bushels from August. Corn ending stocks will drop by 253 million bushels from last month, while the season average corn price jumps 40 cents up to 350 a bushel. The wheat supply and demand outlook is unchanged this month, but there are offsetting by-class changes for wheat exports. The season average farm price for wheat remains at $4.50 a bushel. What will teal season look like in Texas this year? Experts think it will be a better than average season. Jessica Doma will have more in today's wildlife report coming up. Plus, treating equine parasites is more difficult these days due to many parasites being resistant to dewormers. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will take a look at that problem coming up next on Texas Ag Today. 
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Treating equine parasites is more difficult these days due to many parasites being resistant to dewormers. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at this growing problem. The most common parasite in adult horses at this point is the small strongyal. The most common parasite in foals is the roundworm. A study was recently performed by the staff at Kansas State University to determine the amount of resistance of these parasites to the dewormer fenbendazole that is sold under the trade names of Panicure and Safeguard. And yes, that is the same fenbendazole that some are using for cancer treatment in humans. The researchers used a one-time double dosage of fenbendazole in foals for ascarid and a once-daily double dose for five days for adult horses to treat small strongyles. Thick leg counts were checked prior to deworming and after deworming, and the number of strongyle eggs were reduced on average by only 71.8%, but the ranges were very wide. Some farms only had effectiveness of 40%, where others were 100%. Fenbendazole was more effective in treating foals with roundworms as the reduction of eggs after deworming was over 98%. So fenbendazole is effective at treating most roundworms in foals, but its effectiveness at treating small strongyles in adult horses, even at a double dose for five days in a row, is questionable. For this reason, it is important to have your veterinarian check your horse's feces for parasite eggs before and after deworming. You could be using a product that is ineffective, which costs you money and can affect the health of your horses. Certainly, giving a one-time dose of fenbendazole to an adult horse for small strongyles is likely to be ineffective, as these horses were given a double dose for five days with only a moderate response. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. What will teal season look like in Texas this year? Experts think it will be a better-than-average season. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Texas hunters can expect a better-than-average teal season this year. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with more. As of right now, we are most certainly looking at an above-average teal season for this September for a number of different reasons, mostly related to an abundance of teal that have been raised in prairie north and south Dakota the last couple of years. Couple that with pretty good to excellent conditions across the state of Texas, wetland and water related. And then we're on the heels of a big full moon that triggers migration in these birds and some record-breaking cold front that just kind of moved through the state and most of the central flyway. That was Kevin Cry for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. 
According to the North Dakota Game and Fish Breeding Waterfowl Survey, blue-winged teal numbers appear to be 55% higher than last year. Early teal hunting conditions along the Texas coast appear to be ideal, as recently harvested rice fields and idle fields collecting water will likely hold an abundance of teal this month. Reservoirs in North and East Texas have received above-average rainfall lately, and there are reports of abundant teal in the upper ends of many creeks and rivers. Unfortunately, conditions are not as good in the High Plains area. Most of the Playa wetlands are dry, and very few teal are expected this time of year. The early teal season opens Saturday and runs through September 27th. The daily bag limit is six and may include blue-winged, green-winged, and cinnamon teal. The possession limit is three times the daily bag limit. Hunters are required to have a valid Texas hunting license, a migratory game bird stamp endorsement, a federal duck stamp, and harvest information program certification. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw higher prices in the agricultural markets today. Livestock, grains, and cotton all moving into positive territory. We'll have a complete wrap-up of today's livestock, cotton, grain, and energy markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The cattle futures market headed higher to start the week today. We ended up closing with triple-digit gains across the board in both live and feeder cattle futures. October live cattle up $1.35, 106.87, December up $1.80, 111.70. February live cattle up $1.37, 115.70. Same thing in feeder futures. Strongly higher with October feeders up 202, 142.60. November feeder cattle up $1.87, 143.20. In the cash fed cattle market, typical Monday, no sales to report so far. It looks like the feedlots are asking for a little higher money. They were encouraged on what we saw Friday. For most of the week last week, we saw sales at 101. Then on Friday, Packers stepped up, needed some cattle, and paid 102. So an upward trend toward the end of the week. They're hoping to build on that in addition to the fact that we have this strongly higher futures market today. So feedlots asking higher money. We wrapped up last week selling live cattle 101 to 102, dressed cattle 160 to 161 on the rail. Now checking a couple of feeder cattle auctions that sold over the weekend. Tri-County Livestock in New Summerfield sold on Saturday. The trend there was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers brought $1.15 to $1.85 a pound. Three to four weight steers, $1.10 to $1.80. Four to 500 pounders, $1.10 to $1.66. Five to six weight steers, $1.05 to $1.52 a pound. Six to seven weights brought $1.05 to $1.30, with seven to eight weight steers bringing $1 to $1.25 a pound. Slaughter cows, $0.25 to $0.65. Cents. Slaughter bulls, $0.80 to $0.94. 
stocker cows brought 500 to 1300 a head, cow calf pairs 1200 to 1800 a pair. Carn City auction in Carn City, south of San Antonio, selling 791 head on Saturday. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar fifty-five to a dollar sixty-five a pound. Three to four weight steers, a dollar forty-five to a dollar eighty-five. Four to five weights brought a dollar forty to a dollar sixty-five a pound. Five to six hundred pound steers, a dollar thirty-two to a dollar forty-five. Six to seven weights, a dollar twenty-five to a dollar forty-five, with seven to eight weight steers bringing a dollar twenty to a dollar thirty-five a pound. Slaughter cows, forty-five to sixty-eight cents. Slaughter bulls, eighty-three to ninety-one. Stocker cows brought eight fifty to ten seventy-five a head, with cow-calf pairs bringing a thousand to twelve hundred a pair. Back over to the board, hog futures took a drop. October lean hogs down a dollar ninety-five, sixty-four sixty-two. December hogs down two forty-two at sixty-three fifty-seven. October class three milk down a penny, nineteen twenty a hundredweight. The cotton market saw a big jump on Monday, triple-digit gains, getting support from Tropical Storm Sally, heading straight toward the New Orleans area, soon to become Hurricane Sally, pushing into the cotton fields of the U.S. Delta in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. As of the last report, USDA had the Delta crop about 35% open. The cotton market taking a jump on that hurricane news with October cotton up 140 points. We closed at 65.46. December cotton up 181. 66.62. Kansas City wheat closed slightly higher. December wheat up two and a quarter. 4.73 and a half. New crop July wheat up two and a quarter. 4.98 and a quarter. December corn up a penny. 369 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas up three cents, 230. October crude oil down four cents, 37.29 a barrel. Well, that's a wrap up of the markets, and that wraps up this Monday episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for sticking with us. We'll be with you all week. Be sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate Appreciate that as well. We'll be right back here tomorrow with all the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.